are, this piece of hair and this disc will be proof enough in case the colonel doesn't believe us. But, but why? We need an ally in the enemy camp. And I think we found one. Right, Algernon? Yeah, blackmail. Right again. Come on, Kirsty, let's go before his officer's soldiers get back. Bye-bye, Algie, dear. We'll be seeing you in Inverness. And thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And this week we will be watching The Highlanders. Interesting way of pronouncing that. Yes, uh, The Highlanders was written by Jerry Davis, was directed by Hugh David, and produced by Eines Lloyd. And it aired December 17th, 1966 to January 7th, 1967. We are in the 67s, baby. It's pronounced Highlanders. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce Highlanders. It sure isn't. It's Highlanders. (laughs) It's Highlander, but okay. (laughs) It's High Flanders. Anyway, (laughs) you might recognize Jerry Davis as he is the one who wrote uh, The 10th Planet. Oh, wait, no. I I, kind of like The 10th Planet. The Tenth Planet, yeah, the Doctor's last episode, first Doctor's last episode, the Cybermen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm editing it right now, uh, so I know that I started with a low opinion, you started with a high opinion, and by the end of the episode, we came in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this is another audio one, but I sent you the uh, like the the order of operations that we're gonna have in terms of like audios and DVDs and BritBox, et cetera, et cetera. So. There's not as many audios that we'll have to deal with as we've had to in the past. So I think we'll be good. Yeah, it'll be fine. All right, Caleb. I've been trying my best to uh, to stall as long as I possibly can because you blew your Highlander reference uh, last episode. So now I'm curious, Caleb, given all you know about Doctor Who and given the episode title, The Highlanders... What do you think this episode's going to be about? I'm really upset that you didn't even, like, remotely fucking warn me that there was an episode called The Highlanders. Why would I? Fuck you. <laughs> really upset. Um, this is the plot to Highlander 2, actually. Which is? Uh, I don't know. They, um, you know, they go in time, and they're like, oh my god, there's no sci-fi bullshit. And then it's it's the movie Braveheart. That's my prediction. <laughs> okay. I'm going to erase everything that I have written down and just say it's the movie Brave Brave Heart. Literally, word for word, beat for beat. The guy, I don't fucking know anything. I I don't even remember. What's his name? Didn't star Mel Gibson? Yeah, played by Mel Gibson, and he goes, (laughs) Freedom! That's it. That's the end of the episode. The doctor himself butchers him. Given that I have never seen Braveheart, I cannot tell you how, how accurate you may be. I have seen Highlanders. I can safely say that it has nothing to do with that movie. I can also say it definitely doesn't have anything to do with Highlanders too. <laughs> uh, Highlanders, like that's a Scottish reference, right? Like that's what they called Scott, like the Scots, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. Then, then like there's a, there's a pretty good chance that this might be the movie Braveheart. I don't know. I have not seen Bra- what's Braveheart about. 
Give me a, give me a synopsis. Of- William Wallace. That's his name. It's about the William Wallace Rebellion of the Scots fighting England for independence. Shit, you might actually be onto something. Oh my god, <laughs> it's the movie Braveheart. Okay, I'm not saying it's definitely the movie Braveheart. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm looking at the little synopsis on the Doctor Who wiki. There might be some similarity. <laughs> it, it's not the movie Braveheart, but it's the Doctor Who story that inspired the guy to be like, I should write a movie about this. Perfect. Well, on that note, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. I am kind of hoping that someone says there can be only one at some point in this episode. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was six days for us. Yeah, I was gonna say it had to be like a week or less. Yeah, six days. Not too shabby. Yeah, pretty good turnaround for us. I think we're gonna have a pretty quicker turnaround for a couple, at least a couple weeks. <laughs> for an audio-only historical, not bad. Usually it takes us. Well, okay, sorry. Let me rephrase. Usually it takes you a while before you <laughs> before you <laughs> listen to the, those. For good reason, I'm not, this is not a chastisement. I understand why you might want to drag your feet when it comes to audio-only historicals. Because, historically, <laughs> they're not usually very good, so. Yep, none of them have made it on my worst of list. At least I don't think so. I don't remember my worst <laughs> episodes. But, yeah. I actually do have your worst here. Hold on a second. Pull it up. Marco Polo might be on there. Uh, Yes. Marco Polo and the Crusade are both on there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fuck the historicals. So Caleb's like, I don't think any of the audio only historicals are on my bottom five. 40% of our <laughs> bottom five. <laughs> but that's just how forgettable they are. They're so forgettable. I can't even remember how badly I dislike them. Yeah. I'm, I'm editing The Doctor Is Out right now, and I'm in the middle of that. And your biggest thing about the Crusade is just like, I have no fucking clue what happened in it. <laughs> <laughs> so it couldn't be that good, right? That's pretty good reasoning. On that note, general thoughts. What'd you think of? Uh, what'd you think of the Highlanders? Uh, spoiler: largely forgettable. Yeah. And by largely forgettable, I mean almost entirely forgettable. Yeah. No, I suspect that this one is definitely going to be. Yeah, probably won't make my bottom five. I have no idea. The ones that's going to be struck. It's going to struggle to really place on the ranking list because it's like. What do you even say about it? <laughs> yeah, that's how. Like, I'm not sure where it will be. It's gonna be, if it doesn't end up in my bottom five, it will be in that. It will be close, I think. Yeah, but uh, on that note, there is one piece of uh, trivia that I will go ahead and say right now. This is the introduction of Fraser Hines as Jamie McCrimmon. Now, I know this wasn't a super strong start for Jamie because he did very little in this episode, but I and most of the Doctor Who fandom at large regard him as an S-tier companion. So, really, I think you'll look forward to to his antics. I'm going to go out of my way to rationalize why Jamie is my least favorite companion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I will go ahead and say this. Go ahead and give... All, all three of these trivia notes are relating to this. Jamie was not originally meant to be a companion. In fact... They had already filmed the scene where he watches the TARDIS dematerialize. 
And then after it was wrapped up, Ainz Lloyd approached him and said, hey, do you want to stay on? Do you want to be a companion? And, of course, Fraser Hines agreed. And uh, that meant that the entire production crew had to go back out to location just to film the alternate ending. (laughs) (laughs) Which they were pissed about, I'm sure. Yes. Speaking from personal experience, that's very annoying. (laughs) Fraser Hines lists this as his favorite episode. Caveat, he lists it as his favorite episode specifically because... It's the one that causes him to have uh, full-time acting work. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, no, this one helped me eat, so I like it the most. (laughs) So it's the best. Okay, fair enough. Uh, And then another one is Fraser Hines' uh, eyebrow was nicked with a sword while filming. Hmm. I guess they didn't have a very good fight choreographer on set. What? Doctor Who doesn't have good fight choreography? Imagine that. Say what? I'm ready to just jump in if you are. Oh, let's just do it. Let's dive into this thrilling adventure. You can tell how how thrilling I thought these were because all of my descriptions uh, are about five to six sentences long. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The Highlanders, episode one. Some dudes run away from a battle just before the TARDIS materializes. Ben is excited about possibly coming home until he nearly gets killed by a cannonball. Amazingly, the Doctor is ready to leave, but Ben and Polly want to look around. They are ambushed by Scots as the Doctor takes interest in a hat, but a girl named Kirsty saves them when she hears Polly refer to the Doctor as such. She brings them to her father, Laird. Ben accidentally discharges a gun, and the group is attacked by Redcoats. The Commander, Finch, barges in and arrests all the men while Polly and Kirsty are out gathering water. Finch is going to hand everyone over, but the last second a man named Gray steps in and bribes him to free the men who will come with him to Inverness. I don't think I said that right, but I don't care. Polly and Kirsty fight about what to do next, and Polly wanders off before getting caught in a trap. One thing I will go ahead and say in this episode's favor, this is a good episode to be Polly. Polly kicked ass in this episode. Yeah, she did, actually. This was a high-quality Polly episode, and we haven't had that for a while. Not since the War Machines, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there there was her uh, there was her voodoo escape trick in the Smugglers, which oh, was pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> you mean really fucking annoying? <laughs> yeah, what I say. Then we had the Tenth Planet, where the most she did was get everybody coffee and try to appeal to the Cyberman's better nature. And then there was Power of the Daleks. I'm not sure she did anything. <laughs> Power of Daleks. She got kidnapped. Her and the Doctor did a tongue twister, which was a very cute moment. But other than that, (laughs) (laughs) I very much identify with Ben in that moment. (laughs) The TARDIS lands and Ben hears gun and cannon fire. And his first instinct is that a soccer game just finished, which is (laughs) accurate. If I'm going to be perfectly honest, I understand why he came to the conclusion. (laughs) I mean, I've never been to a soccer game, but if I know anything about English soccer hoodlums, that's exactly how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it's it's a. It's a good old flipperoonie because Ben is eager to look around and the doctor's like, mm, I don't like this. Let's leave. I know. I was surprised. I was like, wow, no, whoa, 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 whoa. The doctor wants to leave? Whoa, whoa. Ben doesn't want to go join the Navy? What about your boat, Ben? <laughs> ben hears the sounds of gunfire and cannon fire. He hears screaming and the sounds of battle. And, he, and his first instinct is to run towards it. Seems like a not great move, Ben. <laughs> Ben's great. I love Ben. (laughs) 
Ben comes out and he's like, finally, a little action around here. <laughs> and then I make the note of, all right, call it. Are they going to take the opportunity to talk down to the British or are they going to talk down to the Scottish in this story? More British than I was expecting. Yeah, more British than I thought, too. So <laughs> I definitely thought that it would paint the British as the good guys. Yeah, but no, they. this this was a, a very American telling of the American Revolution version of Redcoats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first real thing I noted about this episode was, I don't remember what they're looking at. They're looking at, like, a cannon or something. And the doctor is like, oh, look at that hat, and just picks it up off the ground and wears it. This motherfucker is so uncivilized, so unsanitary. He picks up what is more than likely a dead man's fucking hat and puts it on. He liked the hat. It looked cool. Depraved. Utter lunacy. I can't handle it. (laughs) I'm sure you went to the wiki. You saw the thumbnail for that episode. It showed him with the hat. It was a good looking hat. It was a stupid hat. (laughs) I actually do have the note because... He's like, ooh, I'd very much like a hat like that. And he uh, puts it on. And then uh, Polly reads on the side of it that it was basically like, Viva la Revolution, long live Prince whatever. And he's like, oh, never mind. And he throws it back on the ground. <laughs> and I have the note of, hey, the doctor gets a new hat. Subnote, ah, but it's political, so fuck it. Fuck it. We're not here for politics. I don't want politics in my hats. I don't want politics in my historical dramas. <laughs> I was also feeling like this would have been a great chance for the doctor to whip out his fake Scottish accent that you know he has waiting in his back pocket. But he does a complete heel turn and instead whips out his German accent that he apparently had in his back pocket. He's the master of disguise, Mac. He has all the accents. (laughs) And, like, obviously a fucking German German person is in the middle of a civil war. in england i think they are in scotland Uh, the the uk the united kingdoms and they're united for a reason british oppression in in case (laughs) no one got the joke (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, i got that i really i thought i had something to say but i really don't ben throws the gun and (laughs) fucking sets it off yes (laughs) amazing that's what my next note is too (laughs) (laughs) classic ben tosses the pistol and it goes off the dude's in the navy You would think he would know proper gun etiquette. I've never even held a gun, and I know proper gun etiquette. (laughs) Uh, It was like, oh, this old flintlock pistol. You know, they have tons of gunpowder in these things. They can set off super easily. You sit on it wrong, it will go off. Whoop! (laughs) (laughs) Let's see how far I can chuck it. I really thought I had something else to say about this episode, but like that was the thing that really stuck with me. (laughs) Yeah. But then... Ben watches a British soldier gun down a Highlander in cold blood, and his reaction is, oh, thank God, British people, we're saved. (laughs) I'm like, Ben, read the room a little bit. I don't (laughs) think they're gonna hell. (laughs) No, the British, how could they be the bad guy? (laughs) Now, Caleb, you took German in high school. Yes. The doctor, when he is talking to the British officers, introduces himself as Dr. Von Wehr. Do you know what that means? Doctor? No, I don't. (laughs) I haven't spoken German since high school, so... It literally translates to Doctor of Who. Oh my god, I hate that so much. My name is Dr. Von Wehr. (laughs) I hate that so much. (laughs) I knew you would. (laughs) Ha! 
and and then uh, my next note is he said it because uh, he says my name is Doctor Von Ver, and the British the British officer is like Doctor Who, Doctor Who. Like, ah, ah they the said the it show. again. Ah. Ah. This joke. Okay, okay. I know what I was gonna say. I remember now because I didn't write it down. How many fucking times are we gonna do this story arc of? Oh, you said you're a doctor. Come help my sick and or dying whoever. Is this gonna be every fucking historical slash every other sci-fi episode slash the show entirely? Well, you say it happens a lot. I'm sure you can't name any examples, Caleb. I think I can name almost every adventure they've been on, actually. I don't know. For a guy who calls himself the Doctor, he doesn't really do a whole lot of medical shit. No, but I I know, but he gets mistaken for a real doctor an awful lot. I know he's not a real doctor. You know he's not a real doctor. (laughs) Yeah, but they don't. (laughs) I know, I just, I feel like... I feel like it's been pretty frequent where they're like, oh, you said you're a doctor. Quick, come do this medical stuff. I mean, it happens on the Ark, for one, when he actually actively gives them the virus. It does happen on the Ark. I know it happens more. Because I would not have this instinct of it happening so much. (laughs) Yeah, I know that it happens. The Ark was the only thing I could think of. But you're right. I know it does happen at some point else. How many times is the doctor mistaken for a doctor? (laughs) I can't really think of any off the top of my head. I'm I'm looking at my ranking list and like look going through the episodes. I can't really think of any more. So I'm gonna say you're wrong. I'm pretty sure it just happened in the arc, and you're crazy. Yeah, just the arc and just this episode. No other time has the doctor actually been mistaken for a medical doctor. <laughs> and it definitely is not a common theme of the show. I mean, look at him, like mistaking him for Mo Howard. Maybe a doctor? <laughs> nah, I don't know. Especially this new doctor. I wouldn't fucking mistake him for anything other than, like, a escaped mental patient. <laughs> I was like, is that guy a doctor? And he's sitting in the corner, fucking Indian style, playing his recorder. There's no fucking way. <laughs> is that guy a doctor? God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Polly and what was her name? Kirsten? Kristen? Kirsty. Kirsty. I, I have it. It's written right next to the word Polly, dumbass. Anyway. Uh, sorry, that was, that was at me. Uh, Polly sees the nooses being made, and Kirsty starts crying, and the following conversation happens. Polly, there's got to be something we can do. Kirsty, we can but mourn. Polly, well, crying is no good. Have you got breath to run? Come on, we've got to create a diversion. And I'm like, hell fucking yeah, Polly. <laughs> yeah, Polly. Polly also becomes a fucking arms dealer in this episode, in this arc. There are... Look, I don't I don't know how else to say this. There are multiple times during this story Polly made me uh, cross my legs a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Polly's a fucking queen and always has been. She's just underrated. She is. She absolutely is. But uh yeah, that's all I've got for episode 1. I do have the note of their like cuz like they're trying to make a plan or like they're trying to get money or something in this episode and Polly suggests uh, Selling the ring Kirstie's got. And Kirstie mm-hmm. just straight fucking pulls a knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. That was the note. Kirstie yeah. pulled the knife and I thought it was kind of intense and a little hilarious. <laughs> all right. That's all I've got. Episode two. Kirstie helps Polly out of the trap and together they lure Finch into the same trap that held Polly. The men are all thrown in prison, but the doctor manages to escape when he convinces the guard that he has news of an assassination plot. He heads straight for where Gray is and ties him up. 
A man named Trask frees Grey, then takes Jamie, Ben, and Laird as new slaves aboard the ship the Annabelle. As a show of force, Trask throws a man overboard and forces his new prisoners to watch him drown. My first note for this specific episode is another another quote from Polly uh, when she says, "Didn't the woman of didn't the women of your age do anything but cry?" <laughs> <laughs> Based Polly, as they're being held in prison, Ben turns to the doctor and says, uh, "How did we even get mixed up in this, doctor?" And I'm like, "Well, if I recall, it's because some." idiot heard cannon fire and decided to run towards it no idea who though it's a complete mystery <laughs> it's a total mystery ben honestly this is just payback <laughs> ben did this intentionally and he's like oh i wonder how we got all mixed up on this doctor isn't it fucking annoying when we're trapped in places we don't want to be <laughs> you know it's funny you say that i don't have this written down but i do remember this dialogue because at some point ben is like Ah oh, man, this sucks. We need to get back to the TARDIS. And the doctor is like, why? I'm just now starting to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ben's master plan folds in on itself. Ben offers the doctor his handkerchief, and then Jamie offers him uh, a real man's handkerchief that's even bigger. And I'm and my sub note is Jamie's dick is bigger canonical. <laughs> There's just no question. That's how you do it. That's how you measured it back then. <laughs> yeah, by your handkerchief size. Yeah, you know, you know, like when you go and you like you pull the condom out and they see it's a magnum. They're like, oh, that's how they did it back then. They're like, you want to, you need protection. Pull out their fucking giant <laughs> handkerchief. Well, the handkerchief was the condom back then. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Point out like a fucking clown pulling stuff out of their shirt pocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. All the men here have so many handkerchiefs. <laughs> There's a one point when the doctor uh, is like, he's figured out some information in regards to uh, the uh, Highlander's plan. And he goes to one of the guards and says he demands to speak to the speak to the commander because he has information. And Jamie just like turns on him and says, I knew you were a spy. <laughs> and my note is, there are some companions who key into what the doctor is doing, uh, realize he's doing a con or some sort of ruse, and they either go along with it or they keep their mouths shut so they don't interfere. And then there's Jamie, <laughs> <laughs> who used to have a brain, but they removed it and replaced it with a rock, and that's why I love him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Ben, oh no, I lost, I forgot her name. Ben is, uh, you know, that one girl who just left via letter you know she's the companion dodo? for Paul. dodo god i cannot remember her name for the life of me <laughs> yeah jamie is the new dodo kind of he is delightfully stupid yes <laughs> excellent the fact that jamie is as popular as he as he is with the fandom really just drives home how much of how big of cowards the writers were when it came to to katarina because they were like, ah, oh, she's from an older time period. She's not going to understand anything. And then they introduced Jamie, who is proof that that can work as long as you double, triple, and quadruple down on not understanding anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that too. It was like, it, it upset me. They're like, oh, okay. So, like, this man from, what is it, fucking 14th century England, he can <laughs> figure stuff out. But sweet Katarina, who just sacrifices herself like a boss bitch, can't. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still mad about Katarina. I'm always going to be mad about Katarina. Yeah, I think I will be too. Then my next note is the first time that uh, that Polly made me cross my legs. 
Because they've successfully subdued Finch and have, like, taken a lock of his hair to prove that, uh, that they bested him. And she's saying that, oh, man, I'll bet your commander or fellow soldiers probably won't want to know that you were bested by two little girls, huh? And she says, we need an ally in the enemy camp. And we found one, right, Algernon? And he says, this is blackmail. And she's like, right again. (laughs) And I'm like, so what are you doing later, Apolly? (laughs) (laughs) I'll be your ally in the enemy camp. (laughs) And then the doctor binds and gags Gray and then shoves him into a closet. It feels like it's a Stooges routine, and I kind of wish that it had survived because I really want to watch it. Yeah, I can pretty much guarantee you the choreography was horrendous and therefore hilarious. I don't know because Patrick Troughton is very, uh, is like a, a comedic physical actor. And when were the Three Stooges popular? In the 50s? Three Stooges were an American vaudeville and comedy team active. From 1922 to 1970. So I was right, the 50s. So all I'm saying is that Patrick Troughton would be able to pull some Three Stooges shit. Because he's like pretending to be, he's like pretending to be a doctor. Pretending to be a doctor. Um, and like <laughs> asks him to say ah. He says ah. And that's when he puts the gag in his mouth. And then he like ties him up and throws him in a closet. And then Gray's stupid bodyguard comes in and he says... Hey, what what happened to Miss? What happened to uh, Mister Gray? And the doctor's like, "Oh, it's nothing. It's nothing." Like, oh, my my word, sir! It seems as you have some sort of headache. And it's like, "No, I don't." And the doctor like whacks him upside the head, and it's like, "Are you sure?" And it's like, "No, I you mention it. Yeah, it does kind of hurt." Uh, <laughs> and so he te- <laughs> so he tells him to just lay down and puts this blindfold on. And if you hear any weird noises, say, for example, some banging or muffled screams coming from the closet, it's just your headache, and you should just ignore it for the next hour or so. <laughs> <It's> like, okay. <laughs> so, the doctor is Mo. Yeah, basically. And then later, in order to get into the, uh, the mess hall, he puts on a bonnet and... Uh, serving gown and an apron and pretends to be an old woman who's uh, who's serving the kitchens and I'm like okay so the doctor has proficiency in performance now is what you're telling me <laughs> well Mac we learned that in the Romans yeah so I just wish that I could I could see more of this episode because I feel like it would just be a, a British vaudeville comedy routine which would be infinitely better than the boring audio drama we got <laughs> yes very much so uh, that being said I am done with episode 2 Yes, I also have nothing else to say about episode two. Uh, Let me double check. Nope, nothing. (laughs) Episode three. In the prison barge, Ben is confronted by a man named Willie Mackey, who accuses him of being a spy. Once he is convinced otherwise, he reveals that he was the original captain of the Annabelle. Finch and the girls end up at the same tavern, and he eventually directs one of his compatriots to them. Aboard the Annabelle, Ben volunteers for slave labor in the West Indies before tearing up the contract he is supposed to sign. Trask whips him into unconsciousness. Perkins, the guy from before, has the girls pinned in the bar, and the doctor, disguised as an old woman, helps them escape. Outside of town, Polly wants to plan how they will rescue Ben, but the doctor's just too damn tired for that. 
When he notices Kirsty's ring, she admits it belongs to the prince the Redcoats are searching for. The Doctor has a plan on how to use it to save Ben and Laird. But Ben's pretty fucked because they just tied him up and tossed him overboard. I feel like they say R more in this episode than they did in the actual episode about pirates. Yes. <laughs> Very annoying. My second note is Polly is so sadistic in this episode and it is doing everything for me. <laughs> Let Polly go on murderous rampages. Please. My third note is, ah, it seems the episode has ended. That's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought this episode, e- even among the other two, was especially forgettable. Yeah. I, I, the only thing I thought was funny was when Polly was like, we need to figure out how to say Ben. And the doctor's like, let me take a nap. Jesus. <laughs> it's been a long day, Polly. He's probably fine. He's in the Navy. He loves boats. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect rationale. <laughs> so I do kind of love the doctors just like a very apathetic attitude to rescuing either of them at this point. He's <laughs> like, eh, they're fine. Ben's a big boy. He can handle himself. Exactly. The only critique I could have is the critique of the whole episode is like there is some political subplot going on that I did not follow and do not care about. Yeah. I, I had a note in the in the first episode, in the first part, that I just kind of skipped over. Where I just said, politics, 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 politics. I just, I I could not care less. I don't know about this time period. I don't know who any of these people are. And I don't care. The episode does not do anything to make me want to learn about it. Yeah. There are some historicals that do make me care and do make me want to learn more. Like, I've been meaning to go to the library and see if there are any biographies on Doc Holliday. Okay, yeah, the guns, the gunslingers was, is probably the closest historical to like doing anything cool that I would want to learn more about. But it's also a western. <laughs> like, how do you not want to learn about cowboys? <laughs> <laughs> the gunfighters was in my uh, top five for the first Doctor, so like, I liked it. Um, I think the problem I have with the historicals at large, and a probably why they're so boring to me, is I feel like you have you have to know what's going on before the episode begins to really appreciate what is going on. Honestly, yeah, kind of. Because they're like, we're looking for this uh, Prince Charles guy who's gone missing. And I was like, I'm assuming that's an important historical figure and this might be a real event. I don't know. And the episode's not going to make me care about it. Yeah. Because it's not going to explain why that might be an important thing. Because I'm looking I'm looking at my top 10 for the first Doctor and two of them are historicals. So gunfighters and Aztecs. Those are the only good historicals as far as I was concerned. And the Aztecs is such a vaguely historical, like, it's it's historical in setting, but, like, yeah. everything around it is fiction. Yeah, very true, very true. And the Gunfighters is a fucking western, so it's automatically cool. <laughs> yeah, they made, they made the movie Tombstone based on this historical event, so, like, <laughs> obviously, it's got some merit. <laughs> uh, but everything else is, like, I don't care, I don't know who these people are. Yeah, no, I'm with you, I'm with you. I think that Gunfire's probably works is because, I don't know, everyone had, like, distinguished, per- distinct personalities. Mm-hmm. The conflict was so centralized. Like, the conflict was between the actual characters and not, like, these, like, greater forces going on around them. And, you know, because it was set in America, the uh, typically British audience probably didn't know a whole lot about American history. So the Gunfighters kind of had to be better at explaining who these people were. But with the stuff set set in France or set in or set in Scotland, 
it's much more well known in their particular history so they don't have to explain it as much i guess i don't know it seems like lazy writing maybe but that's that's my rationale at least what i can tell and and that makes sense from an american audience's perspective from in the year of our lord 2022 yeah no it doesn't work at all because of because of that i'm just saying i think that's the reason why yeah that's my theory anyway and that would make sense. So, I mean, we as Americans want to write an American show about American history and take a really long time to make sure you know who George Washington is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, All right, I have no notes about episode three. If you can't yeah, tell, I, if I, 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 was just, I was just about five. to say, we're just, we're just rambling and trying to come up with other topics to talk about because I've got jack fucking shit to say about episode three. Nothing happens <laughs> in this episode. I have one really big, super fucking annoyance with episode four, and that's my last note for this entire episode. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, I think you know what it is. <laughs> I don't think I do, which is why I'm looking forward to it. Oh, boy. Okay, well, here we go. Episode four. When Trask pulls the rope back, Ben isn't attached to it anymore. He appears on the other side of the ship and swims through freezing water before making it to shore where the doctor finds him. Ben escaped because he knows a Houdini trick, I guess, and volunteers to deliver weapons to the prisoners on the Annabelle. The doctor brings himself before Gray and presents Christie's ring, saying he has information on the lost prince. He tells Gray the boy is on the ship, and Ben and Polly deliver the weapons. This ends in the way all the historicals have, with a lot of yelling. After the violence on the ship, the travelers, along with Jamie, dodge redcoat patrols as they make their way back to the TARDIS. Finch decides to help the crew escape, and they all leave on the TARDIS. Can I start with my big annoyance? Is it the fight? No, it's uh, <laughs> Ben's explanation for how he escaped. Oh, yeah, he did the Houdini trick. Yeah, he's like, he's like, you flex your arms while they're tying it, and then when you untie it, it'll be slack enough for you to escape the rope because your arms are half the size. I'm like, Ben, are you fucking jacked or something? <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> I know it's the Houdini trick, but like, surely you've got to have like, some sort of, like, muscle density to do that, right? I couldn't do that, Drake. I don't know. He's young in the Navy, and we're both late 20s and uh, at 30, respectively. We're both doughy. So, like... <laughs> I guess. I don't know. That seemed really... Uh, I was pretty upset about that. <laughs> and, and, like, it would have been so... If they were just like, yeah, who do you need, Drake? Uh, but then he said, and then your arms are half the size. I'm like, oh, I don't fucking know how true that is, Ben. I really don't. Yeah, no idea. And it irked me that Polly didn't ask to feel his muscles, because that would have been my follow-up question. <laughs> ben, I, I, I don't mean this in like any sort of sexual way whatsoever. It is purely for scientific curiosity. Please take your shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> my first note is, for an episode that introduces Jamie as a companion, it feels like he's not present very much. He's literally tied in prison the whole time. Yeah. But g- given the fact that, you know, with the behind-the-scenes trivia... Jamie was not meant to be a companion at first. I guess I can kind of give it a slide a little bit. Is Jamie just, like, ruggedly handsome? Not really. I'm not sure how I would describe him. He's very, um... I mean, you'll see him next episode. He's got a very he's got a very round, boyish face, but he also is clearly, like, played football in high school. <laughs> kind of. Mm. Kind of guy. Okay. Because, like, that's the only rationale I could have. Because, I mean, it's not like he had a chance to do anything where people were like, wow, that was a standout moment. We need this guy to stay on the show. No, but um, I know Fraser Hines has worked with Patrick Troughton in the past. And, like, uh, they are friends outside of it. 
So I'm sure maybe like on set, the two of them were being like wacky and comedic. And Ein's Lloyd was like, hey, I want some of that. But not in a gay way, in a TV production way, but also a gay way. <laughs> Max face right now. It's priceless. There's a piece of trivia that I'm not sure if I want to share now or later. Fuck it. I'm going to share it now. I already know it's gay. You might as well tell me. Because it'll just, it'll color all future Jamie episodes. Patrick Troughton and uh, Fraser Hines tries, tried their best in 1960s Britain to imply that the two of them were fucking. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> they they wanted for the subtext of the doctor and Jamie to be having a sexual relationship in the background to be there as much as they prominently could. That's just incredible. That's amazing. <laughs> And I'm here for it. Right? Uh, anyway, keep that in mind <laughs> moving <laughs> forward. And my review of every episode from here on until Jamie leaves the show is, this episode was really gay. <laughs> or, it wasn't gay enough. I'm frankly offended by how ungay this episode is. <laughs> my next note is that they have a plan to uh, get the keys and over overcome the ship. And it's almost the sick man routine but it's different enough that I'm willing to forgive it. Because the doctor is like, ah, I know which one of the Highlanders is is actually secretly the prince that you're looking for. And it's like, I will show it to you because I can't describe him, but I know, but I will know his face when I see it. Uh, so he takes the guard into the, into the jail cell where all of them are sleeping. And it's like, no, not that one. No, not that one. No, not that one. Now! And they all jump the guard. Uh, so it's, similar to the sick man routine but it's just different enough that i'm willing to forgive it i know who the prince is but i have to tell i have to whisper in your ear in this dark alley <laughs> oh so i do not feel comfortable unless i am holding my gun <laughs> <laughs> let me get to the action scene aboard the ship and i think this one is a little bit better than some of the others because i feel it's like shorter it's shorter and also i feel like there was more narration throughout the fights like more specific like uh, i'm pretty sure it was fraser hines who was doing the narration in this episode and he like talks about how uh jamie takes one of the ropes and like swings across the ship and knocks someone over and they just like mention more specific things about the fight rather than it just being cacophonous noise yeah they're like marginally better less marginally less annoying to listen to yeah i can agree with that and I do love how just one one more, just one last, one last blackmailing of Finch. <laughs> just, he's He was like, oh, thank God I'm finally rid of her. And then she just like taps him on the shoulder. It's like, hi. It's like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but also, fuck me. <laughs> but Jamie, Jamie stays behind. All, all the rest of his clansmen go off on the ship to France. But he stays behind and helps the doctor navigate back towards the TARDIS. And then Ben and Polly are like, hey, you've got nowhere to go. All of your family has abandoned you. <laughs> Jamie's like, I mean, that's not really how I would put it, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, come with us for a little bit. We'll bring you right back. <laughs> I promise. Wink! And the doctor's like, yes, I know exactly how to use this thing. <laughs> and uh, that's it. That's all I got. Yep, that's all I got. And I've already done all the trivia, so final thoughts. Meh. Meh. 
Yeah, it's a pretty good description. Yeah, I really have nothing else to say. I think you made me appreciate the weird dominatrix complex Polly developed in the in the episode. Uh, looking back, now that is really cool. But that is really it. Uh, we have a new companion. I know nothing about him or why he might be cool. I'm determined to hate him. <laughs> I honestly think the first episode wasn't that bad. I think the first episode was pretty okay as far as historicals go, but like it just kind of got progressively worse as it went along. Yeah. Yeah, this this is definitely going to be the forget, a forgettable one. It'll probably be at the bottom of my ranking, at least for a little while, until we get to some, like, bad episodes. Uh-oh. That's going to be exciting. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I skipped a lot of the second Doctor just because of how much was missing. And, like, by this point in my viewing process, I was sick of watching intact episodes, then reading the wiki, and then watching intact episodes and then reading the wiki and oh good i get to read the wiki for this entire episode cool fair so i think at this point i was just like oh this one's not intact okay i'm skipping it but i'm not doing it this time so my my point in that ramble is i don't know how bad or good all of the episodes are all i know is that i love the second doctor i see that's the point i'm trying to make Well, hopefully we hopefully we get through this. Uh, hopefully we get through these lost episodes sooner rather than later. Because man, oh man, sometimes they are struggles. The sci-fi ones aren't as bad. On that note, ding dong, the witch is dead. We don't have to deal with any pure historicals until the fifth Doctor. Oh, thank God. So like we're in the clear in that respect. <laughs> and hopefully by then they figured it out. Probably not, but I have no idea. I honestly don't even remember what that episode is about. All I know is that one of the companions who. I am very attracted to is wearing a very cute outfit in that episode. And that is literally the only <laughs> thing I remember about that one. <laughs> Beautiful. Perfect. Yeah. We're up. How many more? I know there's like almost nothing intact from this season, right? Kind of. Let me see. I don't know. Cause for us, it goes DVD, audio, audio, DVD, DVD, BritBox, audio, audio, BritBox, BritBox, DVD, BritBox, DVD, BritBox, 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 audio. So, like, we're good for the most part. Okay. We, we've been going through we've been going through a lot of audio lately. It, it's been very audio heavy lately. Yes, I will. I will admit to that. That's well, okay. We're, we're basically in the clear. It, we're, it's a bit more spread out from here forward. So I think we'll be good. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to help the podcast out, the best thing you can do is leave a five-star review and tell your friends about it. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast websites. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. And if you want to follow Mac and I specifically, you can follow Mac at MacTheMath and Caleb at CLB underscore Clark. You can also check out Max's YouTube channel where he makes insightful videos about video games. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we see Jamie's first full episode as a companion in The Underwater Menace. Ooh. <laughs>